CBS Sports Radio. We have received clarification, Alex. Thank you to Rob in the 321 who does tweet at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Cherry is the blow pop flavor I was referencing. To answer your question, what's the favorite? Cherry. That is the one. I know everyone is dying to know what the elite blow pop flavor is. It's cherry, folks. Blow pop greater than Tootsie Roll or Tootsie Pop, I should say. That also is uh, the big conclusion from today's show. Another conclusion I have is that Monday night is going to be the last game Jim Harbaugh coaches at Michigan. I think he's going to the NFL this offseason. This is really his last chance. Like, Harbaugh going to Michigan, I think he he went to Michigan knowing he's going to go back and use that as a springboard to get back to the NFL. At some point, I think he has the itch. I mean, he's tried the last two years desperately to get back to the NFL. It wasn't like Jim Harbaugh said no. The NFL said no to Harbaugh two years in a row. I think this is his last chance. Like, if there's no team that hires him this offseason, when is he ever going back to the NFL? So I think he knows that this is his last chance to get his foot back in the door and get back to the league that I think he desperately wants to be in. So it's not a question to me if if Jim Harbaugh is coming back to Michigan next year. He's gone. The only question is who's hiring him. But there's no doubt in my mind that, unfortunately, this is going to be his last game as Michigan head coach. And I say, unfortunately, not because I'm a Michigan fan. I'm not. I am not whatsoever. But I say, unfortunately, because I'm a college football fan. And Harbaugh leaving is going to be a massive loss for the sport. College football needs Jim Harbaugh. They need a guy of his personality of his gravitas, of his winning, of the attention he brings to the sport. Like him or hate him, he is a lightning rod. And being a lightning rod brings eyeballs, which is great for the sport of college football. And with his departure, I think he's taking with him two things that won't be replaced at Michigan anytime soon. Winning and personality. Like, he truly is... A personality. He is quirky. He is weird. I mean, listen to there was a, a tremendous compilation that I was able to put together just from a few different clips here. What other college football coach is sounding and talking if Harbaugh leaves? Like, who's going to be replacing this at Michigan? Like, that to me is what college football is about, to be honest. Like, not to be like cliche, but like the wackiness. The zaniness, the fun. Like, that is college football. There are too many bland coaches, I think, in football in general, but especially in the college game. You need personality. You have that with Lane Kiffin. You have that now with Deion Sanders. You have that in Jim Harbaugh at one of the most prominent college football programs college football has, which is Michigan. He's a tremendous addition there. Now, we'll get to the winning in a second, but just from a pure personality perspective, his quotes, talking about the military all the time, drinking milk when he has steak. The guy is quirky as hell. He's weird as hell, but he's authentic. And that authenticness is what college football needs in their coaches because, right, 
if the faces of football in the NFL are quarterbacks, the faces of college football are the head coaches. Right? They are the ones that stay. The players come and go. The coaches stay. They are the face of the program. They are, for all intents and purposes, the institution. And so to have that, that personality is tremendous for the sport. We are talking about Michigan, good or bad. Right? Like The last three years, they've been obviously elite. Winning a ton of games, winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, being in the college football playoff. But even when they were down, even when they were going eight and four, nine and three, and losing to Ohio State, we're still talking about Michigan a lot. Why? Because of Harbaugh. Because he is a polarizing figure. We did not talk about Michigan anywhere near the amount we do now. But even in 2015, 16, 17, 18, when Michigan was okay, a good program, not a great program. We were not talking about them anywhere near when Harbaugh was being just being okay compared to when Rich Rod was there just being okay. When Brady Hoke was there just being okay. Michigan was an afterthought. Not with Harbaugh. And so again, as someone who is not a Michigan fan, who I'll be just flat out honest with you, I hate Michigan. I'm a Penn State guy. Penn State alum, but even before I went to Penn State, I grew up in a in a family that loved Notre Dame, being an Irish Catholic. My room growing up when I was younger was blue and gold. And one team that kept beating Notre Dame and one was that was a big rival was Michigan. So I've hated Michigan when I was a Notre Dame fan growing up. Hated Michigan, then going to Penn State. That has not been a school I, I root for. That is not a school I want to see succeed. With that said, though, I don't hate Jim Harbaugh. I don't. He's very polarizing, and I do think Michigan should be punished way more severely um, than they have been for cheating. I, for one, am in the camp that it's a bigger deal than a lot of other people are making it out to be, but that's a different conversation for a different day. We've had a lot of those conversations on this show that I don't honestly feel like rehashing at this point. So I have no reason to like Michigan, no reason to like Jim Harbaugh, but I think he is good for the sport, and I honestly don't want to see him go. I, I think it's going to be a tremendous loss that he just he can't be replaced. Sharon Moore, tremendous uh, offense coordinator, I would say on the short list of replacements if Harbaugh goes. There's been some rumors of Brian Kelly maybe going to Michigan and replacing Jim Harbaugh. Whoever it is, they're not replacing the personality. And that's what I think Michigan, but more importantly, college football, what they are missing, that personality. The other thing Michigan's winning uh, missing, I should say, is winning. But, uh, Michigan fans, look, enjoy Monday night. If you win, hold on to that one for a while because I think dark days are ahead here. Harbaugh leaving, I think it feels all but a certainty. And there are, like, sanctions are coming down eventually. The NCAA moves as slow as molasses. The, they are coming down with a penalty for cheating, for other Harbaugh recruiting violations, whether you think they're dumb or or big deals is irrelevant. The NCAA loves to make mountains out of molehills. They will come down hard on Michigan. So sanctions are coming. It's going to be harder to recruit. You, you have a ton of players right now, or especially if Michigan wins the title, are going to go to the NFL, and you're going to lose a lot of graduating players with not a lot of big-time recruits behind them. 
So between graduation, between what I think is, is feels like inevitable sanctions coming down to the program, losing your head coach, like Michigan right now, the last three years, they've been 39, uh, 39 and four. They're not going 39 and four again for a while. It's going to be dark before the dawn does rise again. So winning, I think Michigan is gonna Michigan will be hurt by Harbaugh's departure. But overall, as college football fans, we're all gonna be hurt by I think Jim's departure. Because he brings attention to the sport. He is a personality. He is an absolute character. He's an absolute weirdo, but he is an absolute character. And I think he is honestly what is good with college football in terms of coaches showing personality, coaches not sticking to coach speak. I mean, the last clip you just heard right there. Some, you know, some people uh, are on third base and, and, or some people are born on third base and think they had a triple, they didn't. That was about Ryan Day adopting a program from Urban Meyer and thinking that he built it himself. What other coaches are saying that, that kind of crap? No one is. Everyone is too buttoned up. We have too much respect for the opponent. That's why I like what Deion Sanders. He's open, he's honest. We need more of that. In sports, but especially in college football. And we're going to miss that and lose that with, I think, the inevitable departure of Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go to the NFL. Sad, a big loss, but it feels all but a certainty at this point that Monday night, win or lose, will be Jim Harbaugh's final game as Michigan head coach. 855-212-4227. Ken is calling from where else, but Michigan. What up, Ken? Hey, Ryan. We haven't talked since the week before the Michigan-Penn State game. So I know, we'll... Ken. I'm shocked you haven't been calling since to, to rub it in. I, it was rough. I tried calling a couple times and just got put on hold, and then just I called apparently too late. So. Definitely just an accident, <laughs> Ken. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's just say uh, I'm going to stick my Michigan chest out here for three or four minutes, if you'll allow me. You deserve uh, it. We went, we went through more crap this year. Uh, you know, of course, we needed to steal the signs of the Big Ten West powerhouses known as Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska. You know, we needed them signs from them powerhouses. But after all the so, – and then the week of the Michigan State game, they find out, yeah, you know, we only beat them 49 to zip. The worst defeat they've ever had at Spartan Stadium. Then I'll go. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna say a little three more games for Jim Harbaugh to be suspended. You know, going against the the punk likes of Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. You know, everybody thought we were gonna just get our ass kicked in two out of three out of them games. And lo and behold, Sharon Moore steps up and puts on a hat that's got head coach, offensive coordinator, and offensive uh, line coach. And uh, we roll into the. The playoffs, known as the Big Ten Championship, against that powder puff, powder puff known from Iowa, you know. And luckily, we played a bad game and only beat them by 26, but we stumped them. Then for a month, everybody talked about how Alabama was going to put a foot up Michigan's ass. You give Nick Saban a month of playing against you, and buddy, you're in trouble. Woo, all the money was on Alabama and Vegas, even though the line was Michigan the whole time. And then at the start of the game. Nick's big boys, his big old fat offensive lineman, thought they were going to do some mean mugging, walked the Michigan sideline in front of our players, all acting all big and bad, trying to mean mug us, 
and intimidate us with their big fat asses. Well, them big fat boys gave up five sacks in the first hand and showed them, hey, fat boy, you might want to be in a little better condition instead of just thinking you're a big fat ass and scaring people. So you know what, Ryan? We're going to whip Washington's ass too, but it's going to be a good game. They won the Joe Moore Award, but we're going to prove that the winner of the Joe Moore Award loses big games as we did in two years in a row. So uh, Michael Penix is a good player. He's great. They've got uh, they've got receivers like C.J. had back with uh, Olavi, Garrett Wilson, and that other guy. I can't think of his name right now. But uh, we're not we're not we're not afraid of them receivers of that quarterback. We talked to uh, look at what J.J. did. We're down to Alabama, 20 to 13, four minutes and change left. And he engineered the drive that we had to have. And this game shouldn't have been that close, let's be honest. We give them a lot of, a lot of help with our special teams failures. But uh, it's going to be a great game. Ryan, I agree with you completely. Jim Harbaugh is going to leave to go to the NFL. He told us when he first came here. And when he first came here, I teased people up here in Lansing, hey, I like Jim Harbaugh so much, I got a tattoo of him on my ass cheek. That's how much I like the guy. But he said he'd give us seven years. Ken, this is what I hope. I hope Michigan is listening right now. I hope they are recording this call. I will even go out of my way to cut it myself and send it to them. I hope the last thing they hear before running out of the tunnel on Monday night is not a Jim Harbaugh rah-rah speech, but your two-minute call right there firing them up. I'm not a Michigan fan. That got me fired up, Ken. I appreciate that, my friend. You got a good sports show. But, no, Jim, Jim, the NCAA is picking on him over a Hamburg in the COVID season. Let's see, North Carolina had a whole class designed for the football players that they never went to. And the NCAA says, oh, well, it really wasn't a violation because it was open to everybody, not just the football players. You know that class that didn't exist? God yes. almighty, man. Yes. They hate Ken- Jim Harbaugh. This is what I'll say. I appreciate the call, buddy. We do got to run here. Look, Michigan brought this on themselves. Jim Harbaugh brought this on himself. We could talk about the validity of the NCA and what they deem an infraction, what they don't, and how they they absolutely cherry-pick cases. I will agree with you there. Let's not pretend that Michigan's innocent. They are not. They have admitted to cheating. They admitted to it. They, they are not innocent. Again, we, we spent a lot of the show, and I don't want to turn this into a, that discussion about sign stealing again. We've had plenty of discussions on this show about that. But let's just call a fact a fact. Michigan cheated. They admitted they cheated. They brought this upon themselves. Really fast here, Andrew calling from Michigan wants to give a national title prediction. What up, Andrew? Hey, man. How are you doing? We are doing good, man. We're doing good. What's on your mind? Good. Yeah, well, first off, I just want to say thank you. I, I have a, you know, I drive to work or home from work really early in the morning, and you just make the, the drive a lot better. Your banter about uh, the whole Tootsie Pop versus the bloke, that, that was just classic, man. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I actually called because I've been listening for a while, and about an hour ago, I forget his name, you had a caller on, and he was, like, like screaming, right yes. did i hear something what was the deal with that i was like very confused um i don't know either uh i don't uh, to be honest we, we just kind of rolled with it um i don't know if that's his yeah. thing that he screams but we, we kind of just let him go there but i i was i'm still now uh confused 
Right, right. Well, I just want to, you know, I just want to applaud you for for handling that so well. Um, Because if it was me, you know, like it, man, if when when a guy calls in and he's not serious to the radio, it just really. There he is. There he is. I kind of had a feeling, Alex, that something seemed off. And like we were not going to get a, a national title um, prediction, but Chris, hour ago, calls back as Andrew. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Again, I, I hope he has a throat lozenge. My, my throat hurts just hearing him scream like that. We got a tweet before. Hopefully, he's not at home because if he is, waking up his neighbors, waking up other family members by screaming that loud. I mean, look, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'll tell you this: if I was his neighbor, I'd be knocking on that door and and. Telling him what's good about screaming that that early in the morning. That's for sure. But, hey, we'll, we'll take him at his word. Big fan of the show. Thank you for your support, Chris, Andrew, whatever you want to be called. Fired up Michigan fan, clearly. All right, when we return here on the show, let's go back to a little bit of the NFL. Because not only do we have some big-time games that are deciding playoff spots on the line, we also got coaches coaching for their job. Who's keeping their job after Week 18? A lot of pressure here in week 18. We'll get to the coaches here in one second in terms of who is coaching for their job and who's going to have their bags sent packing. They'll be elsewhere. But we did start the show, and I want to circle back to it fast here, in terms of the most pressure player-wise in week 18. I think it's Tua. I think Tua is playing for his job on Sunday night. If he plays well, he's back in 2024. If he, which he has done now for two years, struggles against good teams, I don't see how the Dolphins can justify bringing him back in 2024 when it's, again, a Super Bowl or a bust and think two is going to be the quarterback that can lead Miami to the promised land. I think Sunday night's a huge, huge opportunity for two, and not just to win the division, not just to beat a good team, to keep his job. Tom's in Oregon with some thoughts on that. What's up, Tom? Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for making it, man. What's on your mind? Well, I love that we're in January, and they're talking about the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> that doesn't happen often. You're, you're right about that. You're right about that, Tom. Yeah, I think uh, your AI was kind of right on the, the score. I think Michigan, it's their time. I think uh, they'll win 36 or 33-26. 33-26, seven-point game. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, and before, too, real quick on, on Harbaugh, I think if you look at the Manning Thanksgiving dinner table, you know, when they're sitting around, they each got two Super Bowl rings, you know, they, everything else is nuanced. But when the Harbaugh sit around the Thanksgiving table, you've got one brother that had his punter in the Super Bowl run around, waste time, and take a safety and not give – the brother a chance to go down, you know, except for just one final play. And I think that burns Jim pretty good. And I think uh, he is going back to the NFL. And I think it's, it's going to be in the NFC because the only way to undo that for all future Thanksgiving tables is going to be to get revenge on his brother. And that needs to happen probably within like the next five years or so, or, you know? Oh yeah. No, I would agree with that. Uh, Jim. Yes. Yeah. I think Super Bowl is, on his mind, even more the national title in terms of motivation. Yeah. Um, with Tua and Miami, it, there's a major league 
pitcher. Uh, I think it's Duran, uh, uh, Joan Duran, or something. But he can throw you a 103 mile an hour fastball and a 101 mile an hour splitter at the same at bat, and you don't know what's coming at you. Like it's it's almost unfair. Mm-hmm. And the way what I see happening in Miami, the way they're trying to design the system is to have it be a one-two punch, have it be either throw to open spaces on this play or throw it uh, to a route on this play and disguise it like a, you know, to trick the defense that you don't know if it, you know, Tyreek is going to break to the open space based on the coverage or if he's going to stay true to a route. And I just think yet, I don't, I, this is, for me, this is Miami year one because last year he was injured and all he did was succeed when he wasn't injured. But this year I'm, I'm impressed. And I think that that's what they're going for. I think they need to stop getting tricky on, uh, you know, hiking the ball before the two minute warning. He didn't have to do that. That was bad. You know, and, and uh, you know, limit it, go down there, maybe two point conversion once in a while, but get tricky. If your trick is going to be a trick, have that be a one, two punch, be like Durant. You know, and and just master it. Have Tyreek even shake his head. You know, like let the defender think he was supposed to break to the open space, and the very next time that formation is set up again, the defender's like, "Oh, I know what Tyreek's." No, you don't know what Tyreek's going to do. You know, if they can dial that in right. and stop getting tricky on the peripheral, I think they're going to be dangerous because it'll be a one-two punch. I mean, how how are you going to defend it if every play looks the exact same and you don't know if two is going to blindly throw it to an open space? I mean. I- for me, Tom, I appreciate the call. I think it's what they do now. Like that's how I think. Like the offense for um, for Miami runs now, where they do kind of tricky. They do have different motions. You don't know who's going where, who's going to be in motion, which outbreaking or inbreaking route they're running. I don't think it's like sticking to trick plays or, or running them more to to develop a one-two punch. Honestly, I just think it's consistency, getting the ball out. That's been a big problem right now. And especially against good teams, this offense has, has struggled with moving the ball consistently. They've gotten off to fast starts in the first quarter. And for whatever reason, like, they can't continue it. And for me, that, that starts with Tua. And why I think Tua's future is on the line in this game, you're not getting rid of Tyreek Hill. You're not getting rid of Jalen Waddell. You're not getting rid of Raheem Mostert. Like, you're not getting rid of Mike McDaniel. If you got to make a change next year, there's only one position you're doing it at offensively, quarterback. So I think two is playing for his job on um, Sunday night. Two is playing for his job. I think there are a lot of coaches coaching for their job as we enter the regular season finale. Which coaches are going to be staying? Which coaches are going to have their bags packed? Let's break it down right now and give you some predictions on who's staying and who is going. All right, let's start with that game we just talked about. Dolphins, Bills, Sean McDermott. I think his bags are going to be packed. I don't think he's back in 2024. Now, let me say this. I think the Bills are losing on Sunday night, but still finding their way into the playoffs with the Steelers' loss. So Buffalo will be in the postseason. But that's not just good enough. Again, we're talking about the Bills' Super Bowl. Not just making the playoffs. So I don't think just sneaking into the playoffs is enough to bring Sean McDermott back in 2024. It is 
being a real contender and going deep. And that's been a problem for Buffalo in large part because McDermott's not been a very good postseason coach. He is more on the conservative side. His defenses have gotten carved up. I think that's going to happen again. I think that's going to lead this year to a change at head coach for Buffalo. McDermott, his bags at the end of the year will be packed. Bill Belichick, what is his future going to be like? I think his bags are also going to be packed. He's not going to get fired. He's going to get traded. You can argue it's semantics because either way, there is 0% chance he is back coaching the Patriots next year. There's been a lot of clues, a lot of, I mean, just look at the play on the field is enough, right? But the latest clue I got that led me to this conclusion of Bill's time being done in New England came this week from the Boston Herald. They put this report out there that this past offseason, Bill Belichick stumped for Matt Patricia to return as offensive coordinator for 2023. Robert Kraft shut it down. That's why Bill O'Brien was hired. Why would that come out now? It's week 18. That came out earlier this week. Why would a story come out now that Bill wanted Matt Patricia, who was a dumpster fire as an offensive coordinator, back as OC in 2023? I'll tell you why that came out now. Because that's the Patriots trying to justify moving off of the best head coach in NFL history. Again, the record and the play should justify it on its own as to why you're moving off of Bill. I think it's totally understandable. The Patriots stink. I think at this point, he has run his course in New England. But that's just the latest, I think, cherry on top of New England's nervous about how this is going to go over. They are now trying to plant seeds of, look how bad Bill was. He tried to bring Matt Patricia back uh, this upcoming year. We got to move on. That's why that story was leaked out this week. To soften the blow of Bill not coming back in 2024. Mike Tomlin, will his bags be packed or will he be back in Pittsburgh? I think he's going to be back. I don't, like, we talk about it on the show. I think the Steelers should move off of Mike Tomlin. But this segment is about what will happen. I don't get that there's a, a real sea change Happening in Pittsburgh. I don't think there's waves of destruction, if you will, in the front office that says we got to move off Tomlin. I think this offseason, the focus of Pittsburgh is going to be about the quarterback, not the head coach. Kenny Pickett ain't it. He's basically, I mean, he is getting benched this week. He's getting benched for Mason Rudolph. I think where we talk, uh, the focus of Pittsburgh for the front office is going to be not on head coach, but quarterback. Ron Rivera, easy. His bags are going to be packed. I mean, there's no justification for bringing him back. Team stinks. Offense stinks. I'll save my breath. Nick Sirianni. There's been some rumors after a Josina Anderson ominous report where she tweeted earlier this week that there could be a surprise firing in the NFC East. That would catch a lot of people by surprise. I don't think it's going to be Nick Sirianni. I don't think he should get fired. I don't think he will get fired. Look. It's honestly laughable he's on the hot seat. Things are not looking well right now in um, 
in Philly, but the reality is they have double-digit wins. They're going back to the playoffs. Is are, are things as easy in 2023 as they were in 2022? Absolutely not. That, though, to me, is more about the coordinators. Offense coordinator, defense coordinator, both need to be shown the door. It's not about the head coach. Now, this time next year, then, okay, that that's on Sirianni. Now we got to have a conversation of if moving off the head coach is the right move. The guy got to a Super Bowl last year, double-digit wins again this year. You're not firing Nick Sirianni. The bigger problem right now is coordinators and getting that figured out. Sirianni is safe. He'll be back in 2024. Matt Eberflus, he'll be back in 2024. He saved his job. Seven and five now the last 12 games. Chance to play spoiler in Green Bay. I think they will. I think the Bears will go into Lambeau and beat the Packers and their season for the second year in a row at home. Packers winning in, they lose. So I think the Bears will go eight and five in their last 13 games. Defense is number one against the run. Eberflus has turned this team around. There's now a big movement for Justin Fields staying as the Bears quarterback. I mean, I know Eberflus is a defensive-minded head coach, but they went through some turmoil with Fields uh, Fields calling out the coaching staff earlier this season. Matt has done a good job of calming the storm, getting everyone on the same page, having no one panic. He'll be back in 2024. Arthur Smith. His bags will be packed. I mean, this guy is just bungled. What is a tremendous offensive skill set? Bijan, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, none used the way they are intended to be used. I don't get it. And I don't want to hear quarterback as an excuse. Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter, Plenty of coaches are winning with backup quarterbacks. Why can't Arthur Smith with a lot of offensive talent figure it out? They're not going to win this division. He's going to have his bags packed. He will be fired, especially when you're going to finish third in a weak division. Dennis Allen, his bags will be packed. Honestly, for similar reasons, as I just said with Arthur Smith. Dennis Allen, more defensive mind, so he's not directly responsible for the lack of offense, but you can't win the division With Derek Carr, who's been fine. He's a fine quarterback. You can't get an offensive system to have him come in and play well. With Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. Bring in an offensive mind to New Orleans. Move off of Dennis Allen, who was handed the job basically by Sean Payton when he retired. And get someone who can utilize those offensive weapons. Dennis Allen, bags are packed. Finally, in the NFC South, let's wrap up here with Todd Bowles. He's going to be back in 2024. I think the Bucs are going to win the NFC South. And Tampa Bay, to me, is not going to fire Todd Bowles if they win the division for the second year in a row and host a playoff game. They're not going to do it. They should do it. Just like I think the Steelers should move off of Mike Tomlin. But again, this is a will segment. Will they fire Todd Bowles? I can't see a situation where they win on Sunday, make the playoffs, and they fire Bowles. I can't see it. He'll be back in 2024. So to recap, Todd Bowles, back. Dennis Allen, fired. Arthur Smith, fired. Matt Eberflus, back. Nick Sirianni, back. Ron Rivera, fired. Mike Tomlin, back. Bill Belichick, gone. Sean McDermott, gone. Those are coaches entering week 18 on the hot seat, coaching for their jobs. 
when we return here, we want to get your thoughts on the future of Bill Belichick. Do you think he will be back as Patriots head coach or is Sunday the finale of Bill in New England? Also, I want to sprinkle in, uh, sprinkle in some college football. There is one thing I despise about the national championship game. I'll tell you what that is when we return. First up, though, take a night as a reminder on CBS Sports Radio. We'll get to Bill Belichick here in one second, but I got to get this off my chest. I've been keeping it here for a while, and it really honestly frustrates me. The national championship game for college football being on a Monday night is egregious. It is awful. That is about as bad of scheduling as college football could possibly have. There's been a lot of scheduling conversation the last week or so, um, and I think it, it... and this has been thrown out there by Kirk Herbstreit, amongst others. I totally agree. The college football season should end the same time every year at the same place. The final game we see in college football, the national championship, should be, uh, well, whatever day it is, January 1st, New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl, 5 o'clock, period, stop. That is how every single college football season should end. January 1st, 5 o'clock, at the Rose Bowl, don't care who's in it. Don't care how many playoff teams we have eventually. It's, it's at 12 now. I'm sure it's going to expand at some point. That has to be the single ending for every single year. That is truly what college football is. I, I saw someone make this comparison, and it's spot on. The Rose Bowl for college football is like Augusta for golf. It, like, it truly means something more. Like It's different. Right, the Masters is one of four majors. But easily, I think everyone would agree, the green jacket is way more prestigious than the Wanamaker Trophy or any other trophy you could win by winning the majors. The Rose Bowl is more prestigious. Is a bigger deal. There is, like, the, you watch college football that, if one bowl game or one bowl site could embody all of college football, The Rose Bowl is that. And that should be the final destination each and every year. New Year's Day, that is the day for college football. That is when your season should end. The fact it's ending on a Monday night in Houston is atrocious. Nothing against Houston. It's not even about where it is. But Monday night is... College football is played on Saturdays. Every single Saturday, you know, okay, college football is on. Why is it the biggest game of the year is buried on a Monday night after the NFL regular season ends on a day where coaches are losing their jobs and you're finding out the the NFL playoff schedule? Why is it? Why are we just tucking the biggest game of of the season for college football? Why are we just tucking it there? If you're afraid of, oh, we can't compete against the NFL playoffs, so we got to get it done before then. Okay, put it New Year's Day. Move the season up. Make week zero week one. How about this? Here's one. How about we eliminate the month off in December between when conference championship weekend ends and when the college football playoff starts on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? You want to play the bowl games in between? Great. We'll sprinkle in amongst those bowl games college football playoff games. Now that it's expanding to 12, We're only going to kick this further and further down the road. Have the the final day for college football be the same every year. New Year's Day, 
5 o'clock Eastern, Rose Bowl. Period. Stop. That should be the final destination, the final date every single year. The Super Bowl, the actual date itself changes. February 10th, February 11th, but it's the same time every year. It's on a Sunday. Now with the 17th game, it's the second Sunday of February. You know when it is. And by the way, the Super Bowl is played on the same day that the NFL plays, Sunday. Why is it that college football is Saturday, 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 Saturday? Biggest game of the year, Monday night. Awful. Absolutely awful. It has to change. Has to change. All right. I feel better. Thank you. I I feel a lot better. It is just so stupid. This has been going on for a while. Monday night. Give me a break. Give me a break. We mentioned it before. I think this is Bill Belichick's last game on the the Patriots sideline. I think he will be traded, not fired. Um, But I don't think Bill is going to be coaching the Patriots again after this Sunday against the Jets. Barry's calling from Boston with some thoughts. Hello, Barry. How are you, brother? Hanging, man. How you doing? Good. So we're going to talk about Belichick in a second, but do you want to, I'm going to let you talk about what you want to talk about. Do you want to talk about lollipops or do you want to talk about how Dan Campbell's an idiot because you're talking to the biggest Cowboy fan in New England, in Boston, and how he should not have gone for two points three times. Uh, I like the the two point conversion the first time. Once you had the initial penalty of the ineligible uh, receiver, then kick the field goal. I'm with you. Yeah, uh, and, and plus it's in Dallas, so we know Jerry Jones is is paying off the refs. So come on, you don't about believe that, do you, Barry? Yeah, I know I it's like a joke, uh, tongue in cheek. You don't <laughs> actually think it, right? Uh, come on, man. I'm the biggest cowboy fan in the world. I know Jerry Jones. He pays the refs, but anyway. Aside from that, and we're not going to talk about Philly and uh, how I hope they lose. The Cowboys are actually going to have a home game in the playoffs, which that I did not think that a month should ago. Should have two home games, Barry, if, you're, if you yes. think about it. They, they should, but let's get to why I called, and, and I know I've been on hold for two hours. It, your, your show is awesome. Thank you, Barry. So, you What's know. your point about Belichick? <clears throat> So the greatest football coach, I don't know if he's going to get fired on Monday or not. But whether he does or not, he's only 70. Oh, sorry, excuse me. He is 71, not only 71. Okay, he's got a lot more money than you and I put together. Right. And and he's not going to get traded. Okay, that's that's He's going to get traded. Uh, I'm sorry, no. Barry, I, I apologize. We, we got too long here. We got connected. You hear the music or disconnected. We got off track. All right. We'll get back on track. Here's what we'll do. When we come back here, week 18 pressure. Is Tua Tungavailoa playing for his job on Sunday? I think so. I'll explain why next. It's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio.